For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's going on? Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. Thanks for listening. I am Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. I'm joined as always by Nick and Ryan. You can get them uh, at DC Natchak and you can find the show at Half Street High Heat. Um, we're doing this for the DMV Sports Network as always. You can find them at dmvsportsnetwork.com or find them on Twitter and Instagram at dmv underscore sn. All right, let's get into it, guys. The first weekend is in the books. We finally have baseball back. Yes, and at least one Curly W <laughs> is in the books. Yes. <laughs> one hard-fought Curly W. It was not looking good. <laughs> it sure wasn't. So we're going to call this our first impression episode. Um, see what we think of the team now that we are out of spring training and into real games. So <laughs> let's do a quick recap of the weekend and talk about our first impressions. Yeah. So the Marlins indeed surprised some people. They somehow won two games, uh, doubling the amount of wins I thought they were going to have by April 15th. The <laughs> Phillies plan to slug their way through everyone so far is off to a great start. 13 of their 19 runs have come from home runs, which will probably become an issue at one point. And they're lined up so deep that manager Dave Kapler said that they don't need to steal that much because anyone can hit a three-run home run at any time, which is just the most alpha saying I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Uh, the Braves' plan of relying on their young guns and young pitching has backfired so far as every single one of their young pitchers has been shelled. But in their defense, anyone in the Phillies lineup can hit a three-run home run at any time. So is it really that bad? I guess we won't know till they play someone else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Mets, off, uh, the Mets offseason trades of Robson Cano and Edwin Diaz is off to a hot start as both of them played massive roles in their weekend series win against the Nats. Yeah, even uh, Keon Broxton too. Yeah, yeah, I'm so far not enjoying having Robinson Cano in the NL East. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. He, he can go right back out west, please. Yeah, fun. he's he's going to be a pain in the ass, but hey, it's all right. Only got like five more years on his contract. Right, uh, we only have to play them nineteen times. It's fine. That's all right. We'll be rebuilding by then, anyways. So. Oh, shut your mouth. <laughs> Jacob Degrom is dominant as always in his first start. Uh, he's now had thirty straight starts, going six or more innings, giving up three runs or less, which is an MLB record. He is the best pitcher in baseball. Sorry, Amanda. Max yeah, is a close second. Yeah, you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> And the Nats have a maddening series where in the spring training where they emphasize the little things, they did the little things wrong nonstop. The bullpen sucks, and it's going to be a learning curve. So what are your all, all right. thoughts so far in the first weekend? <laughs> Get it? Learning curve? Oh, the learners. <laughs> very nice. Well, let's follow up all that positivity. <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking, Ryan? 
Um, so I'm I'm not gonna like talk about the offense. Jacob Degrom shut them down. They didn't score. Don't blame him. I mean, the Mets back in the bullpen is very good, and no one's really talking about that. And I kind of feel like this was a statement series <clears throat> for the Mets. Um, the offense did pretty well. I know some of the runs were with Zim's bases clearing double when those didn't matter. But that bullpen is an issue. They've given up 11 runs in the eighth and ninth inning this mm. year. And it's, it's only been three It's only been games. three games. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I hate Davey, but, like, I mean, what's he supposed to do? Even Doolittle got hit, and, like, yeah. Doolittle's losses. You can only down. put the guys out there that you have in your bullpen. So Yeah. So, I mean, uh, he's overusing guys. It's three games into the year. Tony <laughs> Sip up. He's a Tony Sip on back-to-back games. Or was it Rosenthal on back-to-back games? It was yeah. both of them. Rosenthal yeah. hasn't gotten out yet. His year rate is infinity, which yeah. is incredible. I was just going to say that. That's your eighth-inning guy, presumably, and he's pitched twice and he hasn't recorded an out. So. Yeah. But everybody's in the best shape of their lives, you guys. Best shape of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> but positive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's have some of those, please. Trey Turner has looked pretty good so far. He leads the league in stolen bases. Um, he was the first Nationals player since, like, I think it was like four or five years ago to have multiple home runs and a stolen base. Was the first player in NL in 15 years to have a stolen base, multiple home runs, and a walk-off home run in one game, uh, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, that was a pretty cool end to the game. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think that was going to get out, but it just kept going. So that was good to see. Um Adam Eaton had a big day today. I think like three for four or four for four. Um, yeah. The nine one two, which we all talked about, and some of us loved it. One person didn't. Not <laughs> you know. I want to. I want to go on record. This is something I want to bring up. I went back and listened to the episode where we talked about this, and what I said was, I love that idea, but Davey won't do it. So I think we're, we're rewriting no, 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 history no, 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 no. a little bit. That no, is what I that's said. That's not what happened because there was a there was a later later time. Where I mentioned again, you're like, Nick, you can dream of it all you want, but it's not going to happen. You're right. I said, and I said, I would like it. And I do so far. However, I don't know that they're going to be able to keep him in that position because somebody's got to be hitting behind Soto. I don't like Soto having no protection behind him. And I don't know how you can keep Robles down in the nine hole, even though I like the combination of him hitting before Eaton. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Somebody's got to be hitting behind Soto or they're just going to pitch around him all the time. Well, you can... You can ask the question, is Robles flourishing because of where he's hitting? Um, I, I do agree that Soto needs protection. I actually saw a really funny stat about this today because Zim has been Bryce's protection for seven years when he was here. <laughs> on open- Such as it is. <laughs> That's why he left. <laughs> on opening day, Bryce got intentionally walked to uh, face Reese Hoskins, and Hoskins hit a home run. Grand a- slam. Yeah, it's grand, grand slam. slam. That was mm-hmm. the first time in Bryce's career when he was intentionally walked that the guy behind him hit a home run. <laughs> yeah, that's not like, cool. They got to they got to they got to You know what? Him. I didn't need to know that. <laughs> not my whole life and not know that and it would have been okay. <laughs> but the question yeah. is, who do you go to cuz Zem's not hitting, Gomes Dozier is hitting. is I think Dozier's not hitting. What is yeah. he? Yeah, it's not good. I mean, he's yeah. he's putting the ball in play so like I think he's only struck out like once, but like he's not hitting. So the only thing is, you got to put Matt Adams in. But then I feel like that's something the front office isn't going to like because the learners are really loyal, even though at some point they got to just yank the chain on Zim. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to have to happen at some point. I, you know, right now, what, what, are, what is Adams right now? He's played in three games. 
let me see. I'm just trying to look at his stat line here. Yeah, I mean, he's struck out twice. He's got a he's I mean, got a zero a he, zero batting. Average he just right missed now. a home run. Yeah, he just though. missed the game time grand slam. Like it was weak off the bat, and it still went to the warning track. The thing about Zim though is Zim can go through absolutely ice cold phases, but he can also get red hot for you at times. The problem is the streakiness, and right now like Soto is. He's got to be able to – he's got to see pitches. So mm-hmm. I don't know if – maybe you just switch him and Rendon right now because Rendon's hit, oh, no, hit yeah, well. I, but... I, I agree. I think that might be the best thing to do because, I mean, on opening day, Jacob deGrom pitched around Soto just get Zimmerman, and Zimmerman struck out. Yeah. Like, it took – It was that bats. unintentional, <laughs> intentional walk. Yeah. Yeah, but... like and just hoping he's going to chase, and he didn't. And then we saw him today kind of chase just because he wasn't really getting anything. He's probably getting frustrated by not getting any pitches to yeah, him. Yeah, I respect. And he's 20 years old, so like he's going to get incredibly frustrated because he wants to hit. And it's kind of what we saw before. And, like, he's the guy who's supposed to be the big bat threat. Right. He's supposed, he's to, replace supposed to replace Bryce's production. He's not exactly. going to do that. With yeah. I, I, when I wonder who not said hitting. that was too much pressure on Soto. <laughs> no, I don't know. I still don't think it's too much pressure on him. I think the problem is that he doesn't have the protection in the lineup yeah. right now. They've got to do something, and I don't know what it is. With maybe it's switch him and, and Rendon. Maybe it's hit Robles up behind him i don't know but they've got to do something i don't know because we're one series in and he's getting pitched around it seems like he's taking a step back i don't know who's who said that (laughs) you think he's taking a step back so let me get this straight you think robles is flourishing because of where he's hitting in the lineup but soto is taking a step back because he's got nobody behind him in the lineup correct got it okay just checking hey victor robles has adam Eaton behind them and juan soto has some trash guy behind them that's right at district dingers Come for me. I said that. <laughs> uh, but like, Rendon, you're just pushing buttons. <laughs> Rendon's off to a slow start, which he always historically does. But I do think switch, switching Soto and Rendon has to happen. Yeah, that would be my my move right now. That would be in the yeah. next game. I would switch them just because but, Soto needs to hit. Soto needs to have some pitches, and I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to get them right right now. Neither Zimmerman nor Dozier's hitting, so why is anybody going to pitch to Soto? Exactly. And the five to seven hole went three for twenty nine this weekend. Oh god, and... it was so bad. I... <laughs> the opening day game, and uh, it was a gorgeous Same. day, but it's not much fun to watch opening day when your team can't score a single run. <laughs> no, I mean like it's just the top nine, nine, one, two, and uh, maybe we'll throw three and four in there for times have been hitting it's just once you get five to seven it's a dead it's just a black hole right now and then when you have 41 or sorry 45 of your first 60 games against division or yeah uh former playoff teams you can't afford that they can't lose two out of three in every series in the beginning of the season that can't happen no and like you can't have max go out throw seven two thirds give up two runs and take it out. Like that's yeah, and the starting pitching, that's kind of my big takeaway from the weekend, is the starting pitching is pretty much as advertised. It's spectacular. Yeah. They were all good. I mean, Corbin gave up a lot of hits today, but, you know, it, you know, he didn't get out of it. He didn't give up a lot of runs, and that's the thing that matters the most. Right. And uh, But they all looked good, but the bullpen is just awful. Oh they God. just look awful. They have got to address the bullpen because, as you mentioned, 45 of 60 of these games are going to be division games at the beginning of the season, and they cannot compete in this division with this bullpen as it, as it looks right now. I think that's a nice segue into uh, Nick. You want to take this one? I got you. So, looking – this is our FYI segment, by the way. Uh, looking to the bullpen, I mean – 
we look at these acquisitions and we talk about dude a little like he's this amazing closer, which he's a very good reliever. I'm not taking anything away from him, but we saw today like he has the the potential to get hit hard, especially when you pretty much only rely on your fastball. That's 93 to 94. Like in today's MLB, that's not overpowering stuff. Doolittle's still good with command and he can use it well. And that high fastball is awesome when he's got it working. Right. And like he's a good enough pitcher to get by with lower velocity than a lot of guys are seeing. But there's still some concern because he will have days like today where, yeah, you would like him to go more than an inning to get a save or whatnot. (laughs) Yeah, basically. But at the same time, he has the potential to get hit. So let's start with Tony Sip. Okay. So Tony Sip. Had a great year last year. Not taking that away from him. But if you look at his past four years, okay? So 2015, he had a 199 ERA. Great. Okay. But then jump to 2016, 495 ERA. It gets worse. 2017, 579 ERA. Okay. And then. Last year, he bounces back for whatever reason, has immaculate 1.86 ERA. It's like, who is this pitcher? I mean, is he the guy who has a sub-2 ERA, or is he the guy that has an ERA at 5 or north of 5? And more times than not, he's that guy. Um, right. The dude just gives up walk-offs left and right and is so prone to giving up the big hits. And like he does it all the time in the playoffs, but they've all been inherited runners, so his ERA is still zero in the playoffs. So he's the goat, but <laughs> it's just like you don't know who which side you're going to get of him. And more times than not, he's going to let you down. Right. I mean, yeah, and like with the innings pitch, like in 2015, his great season, he pitched 54 innings. But then, right, and then last year when he had the great 1.86, it was only 38 innings. Yeah, exactly where I was going. He's pitched a lot of innings. Mm -hmm. He's had like I think the most I'm looking at his line was 63 innings back in Mm -hmm. 2010, and he had a ERA of 4.14. So he's what the more he pitches, the higher that ERA tends. He also didn't get a spring training, which you have to take into consideration. It's a fair point. Like he's like he's going to be rusty. And so, like, it's going to get to the point where how long is it going to take for him to get into good form, being where everyone else is, when your bullpen's rate god-awful, and he has a history of being god-awful. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... But it... getting the ball to do little is a problem. Because oh, right now, sure. they're not... They're, you know, if your starter can go... Even if your starter goes six, hopefully six and some change, maybe seven, you've still got innings to eat to get yourself to do little, even if do little is in top form. Mm-hmm. You, right. you can't like what what we saw all weekend in this series was great starting pitching and then the bullpen giving up a bunch of runs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, getting the ball to do little is a priority. But as we see, when we dive into the numbers, Tony Sip isn't that guy. He, you brought him in to be a lefty specialist. Leave him in that role. That's what he excels at. He ex- excels in a, a minimized capacity where he can just do what he does for a few batters and nothing more. The more he pitches, the worse he's going to be. So now let's move on to Kyle Bearclaw. Bear, Bearclaw. Do we have to? <laughs> well, the Nats certainly are. So um, I should have made this a nominee for worst tweet of the week. I had a little Twitter spat with someone who so I said, why are we using our worst relievers? This was on opening day. And he said, 
Bearclaw is not one of our worst relievers. I said, we should be using our best. It's opening day. And he said, Bearclaw is one of our best. And I was like, I, I, I saw that. <laughs> I was taken aback. I didn't know what to say. Ryan, Ryan, we're, like, we're rubbing off on her. She's getting into Twitter fights now. <laughs> no, see, the pro- the difference is when I get into a Twitter spat, I just stop talking to people. Ah, uh, <laughs> you just got to poke that? the bear. Actually, I think I got a little froggy and posted a Poke posted the Bearclaw. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. I think I posted a picture two for two of the line from spring training. <laughs> yeah, the puns are flowing. The puns you should have yeah. said he was the worst reliever in baseball in the second half last year. <laughs> yeah, actually well, he was. <laughs> yeah, I posted his spring training stat line because I figured that would people be like, it's spring training. I'm like, yeah, well, that's yeah. all he's done as a nat, and it's not good. Yeah. So if you look at Barraclay, he's still young. Um, so we'll give him that. There's a learning curve. So he's pitched 220 innings his career, and he has a 3.19 ERA. Sounds pretty good, right? But then you dive into the numbers: 2015, 2.59 ERA in 24 innings. It's a good start to a career. 2016, 2.85 ERA in 72 innings. That's phenomenal. If that's what he gave us this year, I'd be ecstatic. Yeah, I would too. Right. And then even 2017. Uh, three even ER in 66 innings. Again, if that's what he gave us for what we got him for, phenomenal. Okay. And then as Ryan alluded to, last year he had a 420 ERA in 55 innings, but a lot of that came in the second half. He had mm-hmm. a very good first half and then just absolutely. It makes me blew wonder up. if he was hurt or something. Like it really was markedly different. Well, so, yeah. My- when I was looking at that, in the first half, his ERA was below two. So, like, uh, to be exact, he had a, like, hold on, sorry. He had a 1.28 ERA in 42 innings. Um, he was pitching in the seventh inning and eighth, eighth inning. So, when he came here, that's what he was supposed to be. And then in the second half, he was the closer and he had a 14 ERA. So, people are just like, oh, you know, maybe he's just not cut out to be a closer because that's horrible in the second half. Right. But the dude's been – I mean, it's been three games. He sucked in spring training also. Yeah, but like man, he's been bad. Yeah, and as Ryan said, like he had a sub two ERA in forty two <clears throat> innings. He pitched fifty five innings last year. Right. So, so that ERA in went thir- up to four point two. Yeah, in thirteen games. innings, his ERA <laughs> ballooned to four point two. Okay, yeah. and if you just, the larger point I'm trying to make is in his four years. So let's not count this year. In his four years, his ERA has gone up every single year. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, and then as Amanda said, his spring training sucked. So is this who we're getting? I mean, that I mean, the guy at the end of last year and all of this spring training and so far this year is, you know, I don't want to look at what did he do at the beginning of last year? I feel like what he's done in the past, you know, five, six months is more. Exactly. Exactly. More who we're getting. Yeah. What have you done for me lately? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is everyone tired of hearing me talk about Craig Campbell yet? I feel like everyone's tired of it. Oh, I am just getting started. (laughs) Like, what are you doing, Mike Rizzo? Make the call. I know. I know. Bear calls whip in the second half last year was 2-5. Yeah, and, like, that's that's probably another good point. For as good of – as a season as he had in 2015, 2016, and we'll even throw 2017 in, in there. His whip has never been all that good. No. It's 1.23, <laughs> 1.23, 1.38. Yeah. 
So he puts you through a lot of high stress innings when. Yeah. And that's it. Like right now you can look and see, oh, his ERA is zero so far this year. Yeah. Well, if you didn't watch, <laughs> that sounds good. But if you were watching he's, the games he's played in, it was not. It was not right. Good. Like his FIP, for those people who don't know FIP, it's fielding independent pitching. It kind of factors in ballpark and more to ERA than just runs allowed. His FIP at, with an ERA of zero is 3.04. So imagine <laughs> what it's going to be when he gives up runs. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It and is. he's been in a very, very pitcher-friendly ballpark his entire career. Yep. Yeah, and look at his hits per nine so far. He's pitched 1.2 innings so far, and his hits per nine is 10.8. <laughs> is that good? is that good yeah so anyway we're just in sync today i know look at that that's so cute you guys are so cute it's like we it's like it's like we share a twitter account together (laughs) so let's let's move on to trevor rosenthal oh god mighty so this was supposed to be like our shining bullpen edition and i liked it if you didn't put your expectations too high. This was a flyer. It was always supposed to be a flyer. He was never supposed to be this immaculate all-star caliber eighth inning, well, closer that you put in the eighth inning guy. That's not who he is anymore. So 2015 is the year everyone will point to because he had a 2-1 ERA. He had 48 saves. It was just an insane year for him. But then 2016, 4 4 6 ERA. 2017, 3 4 ERA. And then he was. Yeah, and then he was hurt all last year. So. I would like to point out that he doesn't have an ERA because he hasn't gotten an out. I would just like it. So if you look at his stat line right now, it just says INF. There's no. There is no ERA because he has not recorded an out. He threw one pitch today and And he gave up a run. Yep. (laughs) Hey, 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 man. It wasn't his run. Okay, so. that's right. It wasn't, but and, yeah, he did yeah. take a loss. But without recording an out, he has given up <clears throat> so far this year. Without recording a single out, he's given up three hits, four runs, all earned. And, and yes, people and are probably listening to this and one like, walk. <laughs> people are probably listening like, oh, it's only the first three games of the year. It's not April. Why are you? Over yeah, well, we have to talk about something on our podcast. Okay, <laughs> but like, it usually takes until May for the Nats' weaknesses, especially their bullpen, to show up and like be horrible. But their best four guys, who they got, who are supposed to be the big guys in the bullpen, who are supposed to be a top five bullpen in baseball, according to MLB.com, have all like crapped the bed this yeah. weekend. Listen, man, I'm telling you, they're sucking to do their best pitch to get Rizzo to sign Kimbrel. I'm telling you, it's all coordinated. And I, for one, appreciate them showing us right out of the gate what exactly. we're doing here. They're doing this so that when they sign Kimbrel, they can just go back and be amazing. You heard I what mean, Doolittle said. He's like, call exactly. him. I've got an empty locker next to mine. Like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. And yeah. Doolittle's like, I'm a fastball guy. Let me just throw 92 so people tee off on me. So, hey, they're like, crap, we need a real closer now. Yep. Great and, guy. And the same thing with Bearclaw Rosenthal. He, while he in his career has given you production, giving you outs, there's a lot of high-stress innings. His career whip and he's pitched 325 innings, so it's a good sample size. His career whip is one three two, and in 20- Soriano, is that you? <laughs> in 2016, his whip was one nine. So I mean, oh. there's a lot of high stress innings, and those yeah, are supposed hate, to be. 
high stress endings for yeah. relievers. I hate them, hate yeah. them, hate them. Those when Soriano just, used to come in, I would get so pissed. My husband's like, I'm all yeah. agitated. I'm like, and, I can't even watch this. Yep, and we're still paying him for <laughs> that, those uh, high stress innings. Let's let's play a game called Guest Free Agent. In 532 innings, his career whip is 0. .92. Can you Bryce guess Harper. who that is? Bryce Harper. <laughs> uh, Keiko. <laughs> ah, wrong. Craig Kimball. Free agent. Uh, I don't know if my, I don't know if our listeners knew that, but Craig Kimbrell is a reliever who's pretty good. If you follow <laughs> us on Twitter, you've probably never heard anyone mention Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, this is our first time bringing them up. Damn, I should have said Sammy Solis. <laughs> oh, the man who's going to save us. That was my favorite. Yeah, we were talking about all of the headlines we could do. Like the absolute, what was the one? Something about not having Sammy Solis is going to doom the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although looking at the rest of the bullpen, I'm going, oh. Yeah. Who, who is in the rest of the bullpen? Because Dave only used the same four guys this entire series. I mean, no, I he mean, used Grace and he used Swear. Oh, yesterday. sorry, sorry. That's right. That's right. I have blocked them. And out uh, who so else? Bad. Um, Swero, Grace, Miller. Miller. Miller oh, Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miller looked all right today. Yeah, actually, he did look all right. Today. This, this inning, he was good. The other one, I was in and out of the car yeah. all day, like listening on the radio to the game, so I didn't hear every minute of it, but. Yeah, that's what I heard when Miller was in. It seemed like that went pretty well. Right. I so mean, our Lord and Savior Jeremy Hellickson hasn't pitched yet. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe you just make him your seventh and eighth. Yeah, maybe guy. they just go to a four-man rotation and and put him in the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, but the I mean the larger point I'm trying to make is Bearclaw and Rosenthal are slated to be our seventh and eighth inning guys, and both of them are known for their high-stress innings. Okay, so if they keep going at the pace they're going. We're going to lose a lot of games after we get past our starters. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah it's so bad. And like, yes, the Nats weakness is they don't have a lot of strengths. And the biggest weakness, the bullpen is making it even harder from the win. Games. That was profound. The Nats weakness <laughs> is they don't have a lot of strengths. I like yeah. it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You don't think about it too hard. It makes sense. Yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> I heard Joe Ross was supposed to be called up for the second game, but since it's in Fresno, he's still currently en route to Nats Park. <laughs> he left there four days ago. He's still yeah. on his way here. Yeah, he's... <laughs> oh, man. So that leaves Doolittle as our big four people to talk about in the bullpen. Right. So Doolittle kind of shifting gears here. Obviously, he's great. I love Doolittle. This isn't to take away from him in – any capacity, but it's something we need to realize when he's our one staple in the bullpen. Okay, so Doolittle has pitched 328 innings in his career. He has a 2.83 whip or ERA, excuse me, and a .89 whip. Phenomenal numbers. Okay, I mean, obviously everyone knows what he was able to do last year. He was an All Star. He wasn't able to pitch due to the the toe injury, but he was an All Star. He pitched like one. Um, everyone knows what to expect. Okay, but as Ryan alluded to earlier, his fastball is his primary pitch. He throws that way more than any other pitch, and it's only sitting at 93 or 94 right now. Uh, You can be very effective in today's MLB with 93 or 94, but you have to be able to locate, which thankfully Doolittle is able to. But on any day where he's not able to locate and he can't rely on just stuff, he's going to get hit. Yeah. And we kind of saw a little bit of that today. I mean, he was a lot, obviously a lot better than Rosenthal, Bearclaw, and everything else we saw this weekend. So it was kind of like we didn't it – was, it was just better than what we were given, but it still wasn't good. Yeah. So, Ryan, you can go ahead. And, um, and like, to talk about the fastball point, 
Doolittle's always been the guy who's relied on his fastball to get him just through innings quickly, and like you can do that. Um, Josh Hader's thrown 21 pitches this year. <laughs> All 21 of them have been fastballs, and he had an immaculate inning to get a save. And like he's touching 96, 97, and he can locate it wherever he wants. If he wants to hit like a pin 100 feet away, he's going to hit it. He has some issues, but like he's a pretty good pitcher. He also has that like sidearm delivery, so it's a tougher angle for hitters than Doolittle, who's also yeah. a lefty. And so like it's early, so like maybe Doolittle's arm just isn't you know, just completely back into the swing and not up to everything just because it's still March, it's been cold, so his velocity may come up. But like, if he's going to be that, like, 92, 93 all year long, he needs to develop an off-speed pitch to help him get through innings, or it's going to be a struggle at times. Yep. Yeah, agreed. I think uh, he does it, – it, ever since we picked him up, I've always worried that he relies so much on his fastball, but he he's so good at moving it around that it almost seems like more than one pitch, especially that high fastball. He tends mm-hmm. to get people to chase on mm-hmm. that. I don't know how he does it. I don't know if there's something about his delivery that makes people think it's coming in lower. They seem to swing under it all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like you said, with, with velocity, that seems down a little bit. You know, any if, if he can locate perfectly, he can probably be fine, but he's not going to always have it. You know, some days you just don't have it like that. And when you see with starters, if they don't have a certain pitch, they just go to another pitch. And if he doesn't have another pitch to go to, that could be a real problem. Right. And I'll always point to CeCe Sabathia just because as a pitcher myself, I really admire what he's been able to do with his career recently. Like, obviously, when he was winning Cy Youngs and he was one of the premier pitchers in baseball, he would just use his stuff, and his stuff was better than what anyone else could could do. But now he's later in his career, his stuff isn't as good, so he's learning how to pitch and how to locate, how to mix up pitches. That's what Doolittle needs to do. Like, mm-hmm. his stuff isn't the A-plus stuff anymore, but it's still very good. But you have to be able to locate, and you, as both of you have said, he has to be able to – mix in other pitches, which I don't know how good his other pitches are because, like Amanda, you said, he's relied on his fastball so much and he's pretty been pretty good at it. But it's Yeah, but on a day where he doesn't have it, if he exactly. doesn't have another option, then it could be a real Yeah, it's going to be rough. Issue. Yeah, and you especially... know who's a great example is Bartolo Colon, who pitched for honestly another one. As his, yeah, as his as his velocity went down year after year after year, yeah, he learned how to do other stuff and right. kept his career going. He's sadly not been signed yet. He's one of those <clears throat> free agents out. We're for old Bartolo. Oh no! Bring big sexy back. And yeah, now he's actually have to hang out with his three maybe families. Maybe he wants to pitch in the. Uh, maybe he wants to pitch for the Nats in the bullpen. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. But yeah. yeah, I mean, when when Doolittle's your one staple, the one guy you feel like you can count on. Obviously, he's more than able to do that. But if but you need more than if, one guy, you can yeah. Count on. If he if he doesn't have it, or God forbid, he gets hurt again, which he has a long injury history, which again, people need to realize it's always a different injury. So, I mean, who knows what could happen with them? You need to have more. And thankfully there's probably the greatest closer of all time on the free agent market. So let's go do it. I can't believe he's still unsigned. It is so bizarre to me that Cameron still, I mean, out of all the teams in baseball, nobody has just pulled the trigger. We're not the only one with crappy bullpen in the first series of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how in the world is that guy not playing for anybody right now? It's just it's just bizarre. Yeah. And, I mean, like, when you look around the, the NL East, I mean, the Mets have 
good. Well, let me back up. So obviously the Nets starting rotation is great, but when you face another team like the Mets this weekend, obviously the Mets through Degrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, they matched us perfectly. Like Degrom outpitched Max, Syndergaard was a little bit better than Strauss, but they're pretty much even. And then Wheeler had wasn't as good as Corbin, but point being, they were even the whole series pretty much. Mm-hmm. If you go top to bottom. So then it comes down to the lineups to win you games. And when the Nats lineup isn't producing, it doesn't matter how good your starting pitching is if you're facing equally good starting pitching. So, I mean, there's a lot of problems. If your bullpen can't get it done, your lineup can't get it done. Your starters can't score runs for you. They can only keep you in the game so long. They can in the National League because they hit. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, yeah. how many RBIs? What's the average? I'm just pushing your buttons. So. Speaking of the Mets bullpen, uh, the Mets <laughs> are reported interested in Craig Kimbrell, which will be the most obnoxious thing that ever happened. Oh my happened God. If somebody else in have... the NLE signs Kimbrell, I'm going to just lose oh my, my God. crap. I'm they gonna... would have Edwin Diaz and Craig Kimbrell in the bullpen. And like, even Familia. Holy crap. If you mean yeah. Familia is in the seventh <laughs> inning role, are you kidding me? Hey that's, guys, that's it's fine. We've game. got Bear Claw. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what that guy best shape of their realize, lives. Yeah. If Bear Claw is one of our lives. best relievers, that's a bad thing. That is not. And if you're, good. if we're even having our big four discussion, and Sip and Bear Claw are among them, then that tells you we got a problem already. Oh God. <sighs> anyway, all right. Well, that was depressing. <laughs> yeah, FYI. To the fun segment. This is why you guys come to listen to our podcast so we can depress the hell out of you. We really do love the Nats, we swear. Speaking of podcasts, <laughs> we have a library of podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, yes. Yeah. So before we go on to the next segment, let's do our uh let's do our thing where we tell you guys about the DMV Sports Networks podcast. There are nine shows, this one included. Um all the all the teams, Redskins, Caps, Wizards, Ravens. There's a Ravens one. Um, we've got two mixed bag shows. It's about time DC and Dom and Thunder. And there's also the DMV Dispute. Um, these are all available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, they also get posted to YouTube. Seems like only sometimes, but you can check there. And uh, check them out. We would love it if you guys would leave us a review, subscribe, and uh, check them all out. So let's talk next about this next thing we're going to do, which I think we should do every week. It's fun. Overreaction <laughs> Monday, since we, since we record these on Sunday and everybody's Monday morning. Let's look at the week in Nats games and say, were these tweets accurate or were they an overreaction? So the first one is Matt Adams should be the starting first baseman. Accurate. Accurate to a degree. Um, him and Zim need a platoon. Agreed. I would go the platoon route, but I think that um, Zim, when he's hitting, I just think you should go with a hot hand. Just, I understand their loyalty to Zim. Everybody who's a Nats fan loves Zim, except for you guys. So and, basically, hot, I like hand, him, hot hand just, is Adams. Right, hot hand. Well, and it might be Adams <laughs> more often than it's Zim, but there are times when Zim goes on a hot streak where he can carry the whole team. Zim does hit lefties well, but I mean, when he's not hitting in general, it's just right. So not an overreaction, but perhaps maybe an overstatement that he should be the starting first baseman. Yeah, it needs to be fine-tuned. Yeah, got it. Or or you just start Adams and then go from there. That's cool. (laughs) Anyway, so Mike Rizzo is the sole reason – soul is all in caps here – sole reason the Nats have never been a contender when the division is tough tough and October failures. He bargain chops and acts like he knows better. And this is the result. Can we get a GM who 
actually, in all caps, does everything <laughs> in his power to make the team better. I'm Accurate actually, or overreaction? I'm going to say this is an overreaction. I mean, if you look at the dreaded 2012, that was Drew Storen. Uh, 2014 was a plethora of relievers. Um, but I don't think you can look at Rizzo and say he hasn't done anything. Yeah, I or mean, the sole reason they haven't been a contender right. is absurd. That's an absurd right. thing to say. And, like, the uh, the learners are the ones who don't want to go over the luxury tax. It's not Rizzo. Uh, he, he's just working with what, what he's got. Yeah, and, it's not his money. I'm sure right. he'd be happy to go over the luxury right. tax. And right before he signed his most recent contract extension, there's a report. I don't remember who the reporter was, but they they basically said Mike Rizzo had the hardest GM job in baseball because he always had was getting blocked by the learners. Uh, I believe it was 2016. He had a trade in place. David to, Robertson. Yep, yep. He had a trade in place to get David Robertson, and I don't remember what we'd be giving up. But if you look back on it, it would have wouldn't have hurt us at all. Um, and ownership blocked that trade for David Robertson, and then I don't remember who we ended up getting anyway or like instead of him but it was just awful so i mean rizzo is constantly doing what he does but against the odds like look at all the stuff he did this past off season i mean yeah and we all said before yeah, the he was very just, first episode of this right. podcast we all said it's an a definitely an a for the off season for rizzo it's just yeah. an a plus if they get bryce yeah, which... yeah and especially like when you consider what he has to do just to sign a simple reliever like he has to fight for just for him to do his job. Yeah, so, I think yeah, calling man, him the I'm sole gonna reason. Say, <laughs> Stop. Don't do it. I'm going to say accurate just because you guys said overreaction. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know he's out there. He's the one who has to offer the deferred money to guys that people hate because it's his money. He's the one who you know <laughs> is developing these guys in the system, and he's the one who is. Out there playing the games and everything. So Pitching for that, in the ninth. Yeah, he's the... yeah. I mean, granted, he could. I mean, the learners suck. I don't like them. Uh, he's not a good drafter. The that, learners just that, don't care. That is true. <laughs> he is not a very good drafter. Like, if you look at yeah. all of our, like, Harper, Strauss, Rendon, they're all first-round picks. Like, of course, they're, they're all in all likelihood going to pan out, especially when they're top seven picks in the draft. Yeah, they're more it just reminds me of when people argue that Ernie Grunfeld isn't a bad GM because he picked up John Wall. And I'm like, anybody, <laughs> anybody would have picked John Wall in that spot. Yeah. Like, absolutely anybody. He doesn't get any credit for picking up John Wall. And, and the thing that will always get me is he drafted Drew Storton instead of Mike Trout. <laughs> you know what? Don't ever say that out loud to me again. I, I can't. <laughs> I know that that's true, just Mike Trout. It's like yeah. Paul Goldschmidt. There's a... Uh, I don't remember who else. the The list, if you look at the list, it's absurd. And but there were you, other GMs that passed on those guys. If, if you really want to like torture yourselves, you can go look at that list. But I mean, he picked Drew Storen over Mike Trout. My favorite tweet that, that I ever got me. was someone said Mike Rizzo was a good drafter because he drafted Steven Strasburg and Bryce Harper, who was the most highly touted pitcher and position player to ever enter the draft in the last like thirty years. Like, right. good job. Yeah, Strauss, um, Strauss threw like four no hitters in a row or something. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody heard of him. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. but yeah, overreaction. Uh, okay, overreaction on that one. Okay, next one. I'm gonna. Um, <laughs> this is a family podcast, so we're gonna we're gonna a trash can full. I'm skipping a word. A bleeping of, trash can <laughs> of DC's finest waste could manage a team better than Davy Martinez. And I was Accurate. I read this one and I thought. 
did one of you guys write this tweet or did this <laughs> I, come from some random on Twitter? I mean, in in defense of the tweet, it is DC's finest waste. So yeah, like it's not the worst waste and like this is like Georgetown waste. Yeah, like this is top tier waste, <laughs> let me tell you. This is like the best of the best coming from the like what's that really fancy hotel right next to the White House? Yeah, um, the Best Western. <laughs> is it Trump? Trump? Ta- what is it? I don't know. No, I, I can't remember. But like, I agree. Davy sucks. He's the worst manager in baseball. I am not backing down for that. So no, accurate. I. It was a bad hire, and I mean, I didn't like it even when they hired him. No, Girardi uh, was, was right there. He yeah, was I was on. never. Yeah, but... I was never excited about it. I've never been excited about it. Nothing he's done has led me to believe that he is. Just there's a learning pain. It's it's just who he is. And the prime example of this still remaining true is opening day when he let Max hit. Oh God. So I went mm-hmm. on a rant when I got home from opening day. Now I, I went to my husband and I were supposed to go to opening day and we couldn't get a sitter, so I left him home and went by myself. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, honey, but there's no reason Yeah, for it's like, us to w- get. Which one of us has a Nats podcast to do? Yeah, you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I know. I felt bad about it, but I did it. So anyway, I came home and I just was like in a fury about the bullpen usage at the end of that game. I was like, first of all, why would you let Max hit for himself in the seventh? Why? And then pull him. I want to give him the one. After, after you, you know, you had a chance to get a pinch hitter in whoa, there. Whoa, and maybe, but Amanda, some... Amanda, pitchers need to know how to hit. Pitchers yeah, that's to, fine. Pitchers need to know how to hit. They need to hit in those situations. They need to hit in some situations. That wasn't one of them. Like all the other at bats before they should be pulled out of the game. But and then he got Rosenthal up in the pen and didn't use him, so you burned him. That's probably it a was, good move, actually. Yeah, well, in retrospect, <laughs> yes. But at the time, it didn't seem like a good move. You know, it's just and he's using the relievers that you know aren't you got sip to face lefties and then you didn't use him it was just all these inexplicable decisions and i just had this moment where i was like i'm going to be bitching about bullpen management all season long i can tell and i think that if the learners had any cojones they would have just admitted after last year that they made a mistake hiring davy and gone out and gotten somebody else and paid they a good manager and they are not going to do it but <laughs> i just think at the end of this year if it goes poorly then everybody's going to look at Davey and think you got you got handed the keys to a Mercedes two years in a row and you couldn't do anything with it. And, you know, who knows how many more opportunities you don't get that many bites at the apple and they right. shouldn't be screwing around with a roster this talented with a with a manager who doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, it, with the win today, his career with the Nats is 83 and 82. Dusty got fired. Granted, there's more reasons for that, but Dusty got fired or wasn't re-signed for whatever, however you want to put it. And his winning percentage was 593. Yeah. So if that was the bar and Davies well below the bar, then yeah. I mean, the and I wasn't, I wasn't always happy with Dusty's decision. No, I no, had plenty of times that I wasn't, right, but, but if you had told a me lot my more. choice was between Dusty and Davey Martinez, that's an easy choice. Yeah, probably. Dusty was an old school manager in the new school game. Like it had to happen. I, but like, Ish. yeah, no, I know I'm not, the, yeah. that's not me lobbying for Dusty. No, it's just, it's the most recent bar we have. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a bad hire. And I think, uh, I think at, I don't know who our, the rest of our coaching staff is, but if you told me that none of the rest of the coaching staff couldn't do a better job than, than Davey, I would not believe you because he's just that bad. 
All right, yeah. so we're going to call this one accurate and not an overreaction. Yeah, the bring me DC's another... finest waste now. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is another Davy tweet, and it, this one is, this team is an embarrassment, and if it ends up taking out a Davy and a Mike, that would help. Hmm. I think this is an overreaction. I mean, well, I, first of all, I don't think the team is an embarrassment. I think it's got issues that need to be addressed, but I don't think Mike Rizzo is a, I think he's a really good GM, and if if a bad season winds up taking out Davey, I, I wouldn't cry any tears. But if it winds up taking out Rizzo, I think that the that team's worse off. So I I genuinely believe that um, Rizzo and Davey are intertwined with their futures. I do think that if they fail, the learners are going to be like, well, this is your second hand-picked manager, even though his hands were tied to pick this guy. This is your second hand-picked manager that's failed. You haven't done anything. You haven't won anything. And they're just going to see the results and get rid of both of them. That's so dumb, but, though, because it's not oh, like but, Mike – it's not like Rizzo's the one who picked Davey. Well, exactly. But, right. like, front offices, like, owners don't care. They just want to win, and they see a team not winning. They blame everyone but themselves. And Rizzo's first choice – we've said this before – was Bud Black. And now yeah. Bud mm-hmm. Black's doing amazing things in Colorado. So, so. – I, I will say this is an overreaction um, just because you can't really call a team an embarrassment after three games into the season. Um, so for that, I'm saying it's overreaction. But Davey, you can go. So I am going to say it's accurate because okay, – okay. So um, you divided up – Roll reversal here. You, you divided <laughs> up into thirds. All right. You have the team is embarrassing, embar- an embarrassment. They want to take out Davey and they want to take out Mike. I think two out of those three things are accurate. I think they are an embarrassment because if you look at the talent on this roster, the talent alone should be performing better than what we've been given. And then, yes, 100%, take out Davey uh, by any means necessary. But I, I agree. I think Rizzo's a very good GM, and I think you don't appreciate what he does. You're, it's going to be one of those things where you don't know what you have until he's gone. Right, because he's a very, you know, you, we just right. talked about how he's often, yeah. he's often blocked from things he wants to do right. by, but, by yeah. the ownership. Yeah. But he's still somehow been able to do what he's done. Right. And that's against all and they've been in ga- they've been in the playoffs four times with a chance for the players on the field to make it happen, and they didn't make it happen, and that's not on Mike Rizzo. Right. You could also put the argument that Rizzo didn't get enough good guys and was taking flyers, and that's why they kept failing in the playoffs. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Think about that. You could make that argument, I guess, but I, I think it's a little too much. I, you know, you put the you put guys on the field that got you to win divisions and got you into the playoffs and got you to game five of a playoff series and that guy choking like Drew Storen choking in the ninth inning of a game five of a playoff series isn't on Mike, isn't on Mike Rizzo. Well, I mean, he didn't really do anything to get anyone else because in <clears throat> what happened in 2014, he did it again. It's just the bullpen has continued to fail and we don't know if it's the learners who don't really see a value on that and they think it's just a crapshoot. Or it's Rizzo who thinks you could stack it up For a team else. that spends what they spent, I mean, they have more money in their starting rotation than some teams have on their entire payrolls. Yeah, so obviously so that's something that ownership values. And I would say, obviously they don't value managers because they don't pay them. And they obviously clearly. don't man it, they don't value bullpen arms because they don't pay them either. And I, I think that I think that if Rizzo were given a green light to go out and get the best relievers, he would go get them. You know what I mean? I just I don't blame Rizzo yeah, for that. I, I and as far as the team yeah. being an embarrassment, it's it's March, people. It, yeah. It's it's <laughs> not even April yet. Like slow your roll. Yeah, I think I, it will be when they listen tomorrow. 
Yeah, I think he's a very good GM. <laughs> and if you if you put Rizzo on a team that's willing to spend like let's just say like the White Sox, I think the White Sox turn into something like the Cubs, where the Cubs are just so bad, you give them a good GM and all of a sudden everything's panning out. So I I think we have to keep Rizzo. Uh and I, I think it's the learners that are yeah, and whatever the happens problem. with Davey, I think that Rizzo should be a totally separate, totally yeah. separate argument. Yeah. So I guess we're two out of three, or we're going with that one being in it being an yeah. overreaction. Yeah. All right, next one. There's no way the Nationals will be able to compete in the NL East with this bullpen as currently constituted. Accurate. I would say accurate. I would say accurate on that too. Yeah, I, think I don't they think they that's a stretch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this bullpen's horrible. The the Mets showed their bullpen's better than ours. Um, I'm I don't know, I, I wouldn't I don't know who even plays for the Marlins, um, yeah. but I mean the Do people play for the Marlins. The, <laughs> the Phillies had yeah the Marlins currently have yeah, more have wins twice than as the many wins as we do. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> yeah, look at that. But I mean the Phillies. What from what I do know, uh, have Sir Anthony Dominguez and David Robertson, who are two great back the bullpen arms, um, and then the Braves kind of have young talent that can uh, surprise you. So I mean, I don't think this is an overreaction. I think this is pretty yeah, accurate. I think they're not going to be able to wait until the, the trade deadline like they normally do to try to uh, to try to fix this bullpen. Usually they yeah. wait and they kind of tread water and see what happens. And then they go out and get somebody in June or July. Like they're going to need to, they're going to need to do this sooner rather than later. Like in the next mm-hmm. few weeks, I think they're going to need to do something to shore up the bullpen. Yepers. Yeah. I mean, and bullpens are more important than ever and they can take a season very quickly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they just, they can't wait on this one. They have to do something. They could, they could take a playoff series too. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's go to the last one, which I also felt was a good uh, candidate for our worst tweet of the week, but we put it in here anyway. There was somebody on Twitter, I don't remember who it was, said that Robles was a bust, and I believe compared him to Michael A. Taylor. Which is probably rude because Michael A. Taylor um, doesn't give up three runs in one inning because of bad defense. That's true. So that's probably, <laughs> that's probably true. an insult to Michael A. Taylor And he right doesn't now. make base running mistakes because he's exactly. never on base. Exactly. Well, exactly. He can't make mistakes, so he's that much better. <laughs> and, like, people are like, oh, he's 21? Don't care. I expect perfection. Bust. <laughs> Accurate. Well, Whoever and I'll tell you, though, he had a great day today. He had a great he, day at the hit- plate today. He he's got the hitting down. Like if he can, I mean, he's young. Like I wasn't watching the game when I tweeted this. To be completely honest with you guys, I was out golfing. Amanda's favorite activity. <laughs> um, <laughs> like he he's proved he can hit, and like he's gonna learn. He's gonna learn the outfield, and he's gonna learn situations on the base path. So he will groom into a great player. But as of right now. Those are just big issues for him. Yeah, the opening day one was bad. It was Ooh, bad. No. However, and here's the reason I think this is a total overreaction. Because he's he's young. He's a rookie. He hits great. And he's going to learn. I mean, he's going to get out there. He's going to learn to play center field. He's going to learn to not make base running mistakes. He's got a huge upside. To call the guy a bust is just an absurd thing to say. 
And uh, he's 21 years old, not 21 years young. So. <laughs> wow, good yeah. point. Good point. Got him. There. Yeah, I don't think he's a bust, but yeah. I, I would like to temper expectations just a just a hair. Uh, I don't. I really don't like like the Nats and our fans putting so much pressure on these young guys. I mean, I would like them to just be able to do what they do. So I, I, that's why I'll always say well, they're the putting too much pressure on Soto. They don't care about any of us or read Twitter. So, well, yeah. that's their fault because <laughs> yeah. we clearly know what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm sure they're spending all their time. They're out right now searching for the latest episode of Hash Street High Heat so they can see what uh, we have to say. They told me they are. So, yeah. <laughs> Heard it here first. Dying to know what we have to say. No, <laughs> he's he's going to get the Bryce treatment. He's just going to hit, and everyone's going to ignore all his other flaws while he's here. Yeah, and that is a good point. I mean, I, you know, there, there have been already a few plays in the outfield where I'm like, yeah, Bryce wouldn't have made that. <laughs> Bryce wouldn't have made that play in the outfield. But, you know, Bryce could hit. So everybody forgave him for all the other stuff. Bryce hit a <laughs> mammoth shot that landed in my backyard the other day. Yeah. He hit, a, he hit another one tonight. I saw that. But I swear to God, if the MLB doesn't stop sending push notifications to me about every damn Bryce at bat, I'm going to uninstall the app. Oh, I swear just- to God. Just wait until Tuesday. They're going to send stuff nonstop. It's so absurd. Like, I don't need to watch every time he strikes out. Thank you very much. I'm good. (laughs) Anyway, I did see that he got booed on his, like, third at bat in Philadelphia when he struck out for the second time. Yeah, they're just welcome to the city. He's fine. (laughs) Just because they're the best fans ever. They're passionate. Fully loaded. (laughs) Passionate. All right. Let's move on to our Twitter questions for the week. We have our buddy at B. Lim Paris asked us, which NLE series this week was more important to setting the tone for the season? The Nats versus the Mets or the Phillies versus the Braves? I'm going to say Phillies versus the Braves um, because obviously the Braves won the division last year. So, I mean, there's those people that say, like, the, the favorite to win the division again will always be whoever won it last. Um, and then the Phillies had the obviously the big splashy offseason with Harper, Real Muto, McCutcheon, etc. Um, so I think that one set the tone. And as uh, I th- Ryan, I think you said it earlier in the recap, I mean, the Phillies lineup came out hot. Um, so I think that definitely set the tone. And the fact that the Braves haven't looked so good. Um, granted, I think the reason they won the division last year is because everyone else was just very ho-hum. Like, the Braves' last two months was 500 baseball, and they still won the division by, like, several games. So I, I don't think the Braves are for real, but I think that one sets the tone because you have the defending NL East champions versus the most revamped uh, team in the NL East. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that one is probably more of a tone-setting series. The Nats, Mets, it's also hard to tell much because you've got, you know, the best starting pitchers from both teams going right. against each other. And, and so there's, a, like you said earlier in, in the in the conversation, that they're, they were very evenly matched. And right. when you have two teams that are very evenly matched with their starting pitching and it's left to the bullpens, who knows, you know, it, I don't think you could tell much from the first three games. But that Phillies lineup really did make a statement. Yeah, yeah and, like, you had – one series was two teams that come off a very disappointing season. And then as Nick said, this was like, as everyone's saying it, these are the two teams that are going to take over the NL East and the Braves and the Phillies. So I think that was more important to send the tone for the season. Yeah. Both of, both of these series though are good 
tone setters for how the whole season's going to be because every team in the NLEs is just going to beat up on each other. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, we saw it opening weekend. Indeed. All right. At the Rally Mullet asks us, the Nats formula for winning a baseball game, strong starting pitching, lockdown bullpen, is not conducive mm-hmm. to winning during the regular season, especially because they haven't had a lockdown bullpen. <laughs> How do they change that, that so they're competitive for 162 <laughs> games? I think get a lockdown bullpen would be how yeah. they change that. <laughs> I mean, just spitballing here. I mean, but... If you have an average bullpen and pretty good rotation in the lineup that can score well, you're going to win a lot of games in the regular season. See Red Sox 2018. Yes. Um, it's just when it gets to October, your pitching needs to be next level. You need to have that lockdown bullpen, and your starting pitchers need to be in just like – and honestly, like just, just sicko mode. Like I couldn't think of anything else to say. But like, <laughs> wow. they have they have to be that. And the Nats have never been able to in the playoffs. Like Nathan Neovaldi was a god in the playoffs last year, and he's never been. And that you're good yeah, in his like career. he's not that guy. And yeah. but suddenly he was somehow. Yeah, you need yeah, that. So. You almost need to just catch lightning in a bottle. And sometimes it seems like it's not even predictable. Sometimes a team gets into the playoffs, and you see it in hockey's a great example. Sometimes a goalie just goes on an insane hot streak, and Shout just like out, nobody Holby. can do anything. See, Holby, what's, what's up, Holby? Yeah. So sometimes that happens, and that's what you need. And I think it, it's true in all sports, and that happens in baseball too. You see it mm-hmm. like Evaldi's a perfect example. He just you're like, who is this guy? Like he's this isn't he's never been this guy before but yeah sometimes that just happens and if you can't get that you know sometimes if you go into a a series and you're really evenly matched it's just going to be who gets hot yeah Yeah. i mean look at the the giants dynasty per se like the giants were never the best team in any of the world series runs but when it came to october they turned it on they had mad bum go from a a great pitcher to just like an immaculate pitcher with an absurd postseason run and that's how they won uh, and I don't know if the Nats have anything like that on their team. Like, obviously, we think Max can do that, but then Max played. Yeah, 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 then Max had that insane, Wolf. insane yeah. inning where you're just like, oh, I don't even I like wanna... to think about that inning. So yeah, it, just even just thinking die. about it makes me so sad. Yeah, so, I mean. I've never been so deflated in my life. I remember sitting there at the end of that inning, and I'm sitting in my seat at Nats Park going, what just happened? Yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> So they, they need to be able to score runs. And a perfect example was today when uh, – I, th- I don't remember how Trey got on, but he was on first. He stole second, and then Rendon hit him in, and there was two outs. Like, that's how we're going to be able to facilitate yeah. and score runs. Like, we yeah. have to put ourselves in those and kind of And speaking of Trey, I just wanted to point out before the end of this podcast that I think he's on pace for, like, 261 stolen bases or something. Uh, so that's pretty fun. I love early season on pace tweets. I they're know. So funny. They're so much yeah. Fun. Christian Yelich is on pace for 162 home runs. We were, yeah, yeah we were doing uh, with the, the caps podcast. We were doing stuff with Ovechkin's goal scoring pace. We were like, he's on pace for 89 goals. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Those are fun. <laughs> All right. We've got one more Twitter, Twitter question from at Nathan Britton. And he says, does Nats Park implode when Bryce takes Max deep? Shut up, Nathan. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be a cesspool because the Phillies are sending in 500 of fans. The Mets send in 1,100. You're going, right, Phillies. Ryan? Oh, absolutely. I'm sitting – I am sitting, like, first row right above the bullpen in right field, and I'm making a huge sign. Hopefully, I go viral. Nice. So, everyone look for me. It's going to be funny. And I'm going to be surrounded by Philly fans, and he's going to hit a home run because Max loves giving up first inning solo shots. He does love to do that. 
and that's park and that's twitter is going to collectively die yeah i'm gonna die <laughs> I, I will be unhappy i'll be in section 136 so it, I'll it's be there. it's definitely oh. going to happen i don't know if it's off max like i think max is a good candidate just because he somehow always seems to give up a solo shot yeah, it's like then... that's it though that's it like, yeah i know but he always one... does that it makes yeah. no sense like that's how he settles into a game Fine, it is whatever. it's almost like <laughs> after like, he gives I up his home run, run he's yeah. like okay, now i'm good now yeah I'm, it's like, like the pressure of the the shutouts off okay like, he can pitch um wait yes. amanda yes you, you said you're sitting in 136 on tuesday yes the Phillies fans bought out that entire section. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to be so pissed. Breaking um, news. Amanda from Winchester is Phillies fan. Oh, no, no, no. How about breaking news? Amanda Winchester got in a fight at the Nats game. <laughs> I'm going with my brother. It should be like breaking news. Half Street High Heat moves to two-man rotation going forward. <laughs> I'm yeah. Honestly, I, I'm oh, excited. Gonna, oh, I hate that. I'm so pissed to know that. That's all. <laughs> That's awful. I'll take pictures. Yeah, it's. it's I will be, be providing Twitter updates through the game. So we we may just have to have a segment next week of Amanda's experience with Philly fans. Oh, I can tell you it's the same as everyone's experience with Philly fans. They're my, the worst. My time in hell, a column. Right, exactly. A trip to the brink. All right, let's get to the best part of the week, which is the worst tweet of the week. But da da da. Da da da. Drum roll, please. At Josh Morris three 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 three. That's a lot of threes. Says, <laughs> you guys are gonna love this. I don't know why so many Nationals fans hate Davey Martinez and want to blame him for every loss. Martinez didn't go one and seven with runners in scoring position. Didn't strand first and third no outs twice today. It's just an idiotic take to blame him. I'm gonna leave that last part you wrote in here off. <laughs> <laughs> if if you're a Davy defender, look yourself in the mirror and just say, "Why am I like this? Like, w- why the dude sucks?" And just like I, uh, to be honest with you, I saw this tweet on my timeline when he tweeted it, and I stopped reading it after <laughs> one to blame him for every loss because I just lost my mind. I I almost responded to it, but I was like, "No, I'm." Just- I'm just going to save it for the worst tweet of the week segment. <laughs> so if you're not listening to the podcast, Josh, you're missing out. You're famous on here today. <laughs> and, oh my God. People who like Davey are the worst. And they keep tweeting me whenever I tweet Davey sucks. And I just don't understand their life choices that put them in the situation to think Davey's a good manager. Because they care about his feelings. <laughs> well, there are people in all sports. I see this with Redskins fans all the time because I am such a such a pessimist about everything Redskins. I'm always whining and moaning about the Redskins. And people are like, I don't want to hear anything negative. Let's just support our team. And I'm like, you can support your team and be a realistic <laughs> fan. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that I think the Redskins are making good decisions, and I'm certainly not gonna say that I think Davey is a good manager. I think he may not be quite as bad as he doesn't get. Like he said, some he's not the one who's out there making the mistakes on the base paths and doing stuff like that. However, the things that managers can control are primarily lineup construction and bullpen management, and he's awful at both of those things. So, fact, couldn't have said yeah. that better myself. Actually, I could have, but that's all right. I could have. I just didn't want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, on that very mature note, I think, I think that's it for us tonight. You guys have anything else? No, uh, I'm excited for Tuesday. Yeah, yep. me too. Me too. Maybe I'll see you at the yard. Yes. All right. Well, that'll do it. See for us Bryce then. go yard. 
Oh, shut up. <laughs> I'm going to laugh when it doesn't happen. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for Max. Max, is gonna, Max isn't going to let it happen. He won't do that to us. I hope. I hope. I hope. <laughs> All right. That's it for us. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks so much for listening. As always, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. Um, you can get me on Twitter. This is Amanda at 78. I'm sorry. I don't know my own Twitter handle, apparently. At A White 7877. You can get Nick and Ryan at DC Natchak. And you can find the show at Half Street High Heat. Uh, don't forget to check out the dmvsportsnetwork.com and follow them on Twitter at dmv underscore sn. And if you're interested in being part of the DMV Sports Network team, they're always looking for people. You can hit them up on Twitter, on the website, or at DMV Sports Network at outlook.com. Thank you guys for listening. Talk to you guys next week. See you guys. All right. Later. Go Nats. Give me the bridge now. <laughs> Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.